Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Let's kick off the pro football season. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles! He's got an entourage, and he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. This is NFL Kickoff Week with Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by Encore Audio Video. For a fully automated smart home or a state-of-the-art home theater, start with a visit to EncoreAudioVideo.com. The screen is intercepted. Big Keith Trailer. Look at him rumble. 40, 50. <laughs> What's out? The earth is shaking. Danny and Dusty on 1080. You have to be kidding me. That is impossible. That is absolutely impossible what he just did. The Fan. Hour number three, Danny and Dusty with you. Live in our brand new studios in uh, the Odyssey office. <laughs> it's not the Odyssey studio. It's quite <laughs> um, The Odyssey office slash studio. Find my picture. We had our first uh, interaction uh, in the cubes of solitude. Yes. I will tweet out a picture of the COSs. A Patrick and Mike Lynch conversation, and I just freaked Mike Lynch out during the break because uh, I said, "Hey, we need to make sure that these the people that work here don't know that these things aren't actually soundproof." So the first person that gets got, then. Then Surprise! Then I'll find out, like, hey, gotcha. Uh, and Lynch looked over at me and goes, could you hear what we were saying? <laughs> no, but now I'm wondering what you were saying. Now i got to pull the microphone out of there and uh, <laughs> figure out what it was you were saying. All right, let's start hour number three. Uh, we worked yesterday, so we talked a lot about Oregon versus Georgia and Oregon State mm-hmm. and the Boise State Broncos. Uh, let's start with the good. Um, Oregon State. Oh, looked- okay, I thought you were talking about finding the good in the Oregon game, and I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, I mean, you can really start searching, um, but I don't know. I don't know how much good you're going to be finding out of that one. Uh, the good was Oregon State. Though. Certainly. And Lots of good in that game, in fact. Watching a team that came out and, look, they had their miscues. They They didn't look sharp at the beginning. Certainly not. But came out and made a statement and rallied and leaned, were able to lean mm-hmm. on their defense until until the offense got humming. And then when the offense did, watching Jonathan Smith pull out all the stops, use the trick plays, get the explosive plays. Be on time with those plays. And step on the throat yeah. of their opponent. That was good to see out of Oregon State. It was great to see out it of was, Oregon State. It was great to see. And this is, the, again, coming out of Pac-12 Media Day, 
the the vibe, the juju, the feeling, whatever it is you want to call it, there was something there, and they've been building on it. And you can say that about really every team except for Colorado because, well, that and Arizona State, the other 10 teams in the conference, they all had good vibes around them. But I am a firm believer in Jonathan Smith. I just I don't I don't know what it is about the guy. I just I I bought into him when they hired him. I I've bought into what they're doing, how they're building the program, what what they're building it around, uh, the foundations of of the program uh, being the the offensive and defensive lines, and then build, kind of building out from there, yep. and then using a, a play calling strategy. That Jonathan Smith has clearly kind of locked in, and you saw it all on display. They were able to march down the field of the first drive, albeit a fumble, but. In the past, Oregon State might have crumbled or might have fallen apart on that. Instead, they forced a turnover, come right back down and score. And you can just kind of see the confidence build on itself, particularly as Oregon State turned into a turnover machine. Uh, and, Boise State, you mean? No, no, Oregon State is oh. forcing turnovers. Oh, yeah, yeah. And again, okay. well, maybe forcing is a, a bit much of an uh, of an adjective there. Boise's got some problems. Just because Boise State uh, quarterback was just abysmal. He airmailed a couple passes that – were just atrocious, but Oregon State capitalized. And every time they did get a short field, they went down and scored, and they did it again, they did it again, and they scored in a lot of facets. They worked their way down the field methodically. They set up the play action where Chance Nolan was tremendous, absolutely airs it out. There were two drops in that game that Chance Nolan threw absolute dimes, and Mm -hmm. uh, Oregon State wide receivers dropped them, and those both would have been scores. And I, I look at how they they played their game and it was masterful even with the mistakes the 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 success was such a was so i don't know just everywhere that it was a fine potpourri over the stink that did permeate a little bit of the underbelly what i think is for me when i watched that Oregon State game like we've seen them kind of be in shambles to start and then mm-hmm they find they figure it out and they turn it on. Mm-hmm. We we've seen them kind of do that and they they were able to to get through that again this this first week. I I saw that third quarter was huge for Oregon State mm-hmm. where it was when they when they sent Hank Bachmeyer to the bench, Boise State did and Taylor Green comes in and they've got a little bit of momentum, right? Yep. And when that game got to 27-17 and it was Boise State scored they felt like they had all the momentum in the Maybe world. Maybe some juice there. To answer that with a touchdown mm-hmm. drive, I think was was the big one. Is all right. Hey, they're going to try to drag you into deeper water. How are you going to react? Mm-hmm. Right. Any team looks good when they're up twenty four nothing at half, and that was and an they ugly. Did look good. But that was an ugly. It was an ugly twenty four nothing. I mean, you you can't. <laughs> they had the three interceptions that against point? a better. Yeah, against a better team, a fumble. And what they ended the half with uh, an interception than a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. They had two turnovers in the first half, and better teams are going to make you pay, right? At least on one of those. It was Boise State, and your defense caused turnovers. Don't get me wrong, and that was huge to see. But a better team is not going to uh, allow that to happen. They got up 24 nothing, and it was, all right, how does this team react when Boise mounts that comeback with the backup quarterback? And to put them away the way they did, and they said, all right, no, 27-17, what we're going to do is we're going to put the nail in this coffin. Your offense responds with the touchdown. Your defense comes on, and they pick them off again. And you get a turnover, and that's game. And then you slam the door shut and say, all right, this is our win. I, that, to me, was good. Yeah. Like, the, the nails just continually finishing a team 
That is what you want to see because there's a lot of momentum. There was a lot of momentum going Boise State's way when they get cut that thing to 10. And Oregon State said, nope, not today, my friends. Not today. We're going to score that final touchdown. We're going to double you guys up, and, and we're going to get out of this thing. Heading out 1-0 for the first time in half a decade. Yeah. And here's, That's huge. It, it is huge. And here's, here's the difference. And I know Boise State is not Georgia. <laughs> I, I'm going to preface that. with What? Because people are going to say, well, it's different. Oregon State has playmakers. Oregon State has playmakers. And I don't know if Oregon does yet. They, they most likely do in Pac-12 play. I, I, I do believe that they will figure that out. But I do have that question. When I looked at Oregon State this season, I was, I, my question was, does a guy like Damian Martinez, does he have a little bit of juice to him? And, yeah, he does. It, uh, between him and Fenwick, it was basically the same thing. And I was like, okay, to have two of those guys, very nice. Coletto, he is – I don't know what he is. He's just a playmaker. Yeah, I love Jack Cleto, and I love the way that Jonathan Smith uses him. The way he deploys him, exactly. He just they, They've got that figured out. And then, I'll tell you this, Luke Musgrave, he's going to make a lot of money on Sundays. He's a dude. Luke Musgrave is a dude. But I, I, my question is, you have to be more efficient running the ball outside of Coletto, right? You use the Jack Cat. You use him mm-hmm. in your short yardage. It, it Take his three carries for 44 yards out of out of what they did in their traditional running attack. They're about four yards of carry as a team, which isn't, you got, isn't great. You got to be better. Yeah. You have to be better than, it's not bad, than that. But it's no, not great. No. And you won against Boise state, right? Uh, Boise state looked slower than Boise. They had uh, the back is really fast. Yes. But as a team, as a their team, team speed, like Oregon state looked, looked like the faster team. They looked slower. Yeah. And, I, I would be very interested to see kind of what it, this Oregon State team looks like um, this week against Fresno, especially because Fresno is going to be another good challenge. I, the way their schedule sets up is perfect if you're a B fan. Yes, like looking at you take your first step and you just kind of notch them up. You escalate up. It gets after the first three weeks. You've got your your tests and now or your 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 pretests and week four, week five are your tests. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that, I think this is again. This is how Oregon State gets to be an eight-win season is, is to handle each one of these progressively harder games. They, the Oregon State Beavers had five players with a reception of over 25 yards. Big place. They had five different yeah. players have a reception of over 25 yards. And as this is the – I'm going to wait to see if that is more of an indictment on Boise State. Or more about Oregon State. Or more about Oregon around. State. But yeah. you know what? Through week one – all we have to go on was Oregon State yep. made the plays, and that's awesome to see. And, and it was, that is that would that is different. The confidence that they played yes. with, and their ability to see how bare the cupboard was when Jonathan Smith took over and where they're at now, it's night and day. And it is a great building block moving forward. And I think for as far as those those, those playmakers and those, and those game breaking plays, they came in in various manners. Mm-hmm. They came from Coletto on the the, the delayed dive, uh, where he breaks into the house for the touchdown. Uh, Musgrave, you know, whether it's a drag route, whether it's a vertical route, he's able to take advantage and get some yak yards. Uh, you had uh, Chance Nolan absolutely airing the ball out, vertical yards through yeah. the air, not yak yards. So they, they did it in various manners, mm-hmm. and that's what gives me the confidence for Oregon State is they weren't relying on a bubble screen mm-hmm. or uh, draw plays, you know, little gadget plays that you can certainly get game-breaking plays out of. They were plays that were they were just run effectively. Yep. That's that's what it is. It's about being effective in your scheme and then executing. They're well coached. They're well coached. 
The Beavs, 1-0. They got Fresno State this week. Uh, Last I checked, point and a half underdogs to the Bulldogs on the road at Fresno where uh, the batteries, the bottles of urine. So neutral site, Oregon State would be favored. Two Uh, and a half. Yeah, they they would. They would be. Not by much, though. No, two and a half neutral, and that means they'd be about a five and a half point, six point favorite at home. yeah, well, yeah, four, yeah, yeah three, four and a half. It's a three, it's a three, swing, a three swing. Yeah, so it'd be four and a half point favorites. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. Not bad. They just need to stop playing these games on the road. Like, <laughs> you're, you're bigger than this. Why? Why does the Pac-12 schedule home and homes with Mountain West schools? I, I picture it, it works against the conference every damn yeah. year. I have this conversation every year. Why? Why do you do it? Because, like, if you imagine, mess around, those teams, they're not bad teams. The SEC isn't going and playing road games in the Sun Belt. Like, no. Vanderbilt will go and play Hawaii. Vanderbilt isn't a real SEC team, no. right? Like By proxy. Last year, Stanford goes to San Diego State, mm-hmm. loses. Oregon State is hitting the road to, to Fresno State. Just this past week, you had Arizona go to uh, San Diego State mm-hmm. to open up their new stadium. Got to win there. But it's a it's a it's a no win benefit yeah. of zero. Like it doesn't matter. Chip Kelly opens up his career on the Smurf turf. Yeah, at, yeah. Oregon going to Boise has been a nightmare. Like it's not. It, it doesn't do anything. No. Stupid. No. And if Oregon State loses beep, to beep. Fresno State this week, you're gonna go on that rant again. You're gonna hear this thing on Monday. Because yeah. <laughs> I I hate it every single year. And every single year, bites the pack. You are you are big enough to dictate this otherwise, and it, yeah. you you should dictate it. All right, five zero three two five zero ten eighty. Let's talk about the ducks. Uh, boy, it, I mean, it wasn't a meltdown. It was a good old fashioned butt whooping uh, down in Georgia. Danny Dusty on the fan. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is their to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
This is NFL Kickoff Week with Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by Encore Audio Video. On 1080 The Fan. All right, we're recapping our thoughts on Beavers and Boise from over the weekend. And now we go to the Ducks and Dows. Uh, Oregon dismantled by Georgia 49-3. Seven straight possessions in which... Uh, Georgia was able to score a touchdown on to start the game. Finally made him punt in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so there's that. Small victories, right? We ain't found s***. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a rough one down in, in Georgia. And in Atlanta, I mean, I think you saw um, bigger, stronger, faster athletes. Uh, they got outplayed, outmanned, outcoached. Every phase, every facet of the game. And, and this is the reality for Oregon. You are so far away from being one of those elite teams. And you had a team in Georgia that came out and they had something to prove Mm -hmm. because every single one of those guys had heard exactly what had been talked about leading up into that game, which is they had so much talent lost from that team Mm -hmm. and they pulled in Alabama and said, watch us. So what was incredible to me was the beatdown that was put down by Georgia did not feature Jalen Carter or Nolan Smith. Oh, it did. Or Keely Ringo. Oh, it did. It it did, but they were not the marquee guys. And that was what was incredible to me was that you didn't hear their names being said over and over and over again. Georgia dominated without those guys dictating the games, which was incredible to me. That's how good they are. I, I think those guys did dictate that game. They did. I mean, you could not. Well, you couldn't throw it. Have them as a. Yeah, you couldn't throw it to Keely Ringo's side of the field. Jalen Carter did absolutely everything he wanted to, mm-hmm. and Oregon went away from him. I thought Oregon's scheme was actually really good to yes. make sure those guys weren't making plays all the but they still did. Like when when you have Almave Laulu getting one handed thrown getting at ready, 300, move. at three hundred and thirty pounds getting chucked yeah. and using and Jalen Carter used his size, his leverage, and it was an incredible play. Um, but when you have plays like that, like they, they were, he was a wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. Nolan Smith was absolutely everywhere funneling plays to, to the one side or the other. He, he, those guys, it's incredible to see. And I think mm-hmm. to your point and what you're saying is they have so many other guys that can make plays yep. too, that they had a they true have, freshman corner out there with the ball skills of, a wide receiver. They have absolute faith and absolute trust in all of their teammates. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that I, I saw that really popped out to me and really stuck out to me about Georgia was there was no hero ball being played. None. It in, was everybody in, on a string. And I think with with Oregon at times you saw that hero ball and not trusting everybody else to do their job. It put Oregon in tough spots. It put them in situations where – you know, I go back to this yesterday. We we talked about this, but Stetson Bennett, he baited Justin Flo to leave the back out and come and get him. And he just took a couple steps towards him and went, boop, right over the top, and it was off to the races you go. And that is something that you sit there and you go, guys like Justin Flo, they got to play more football, man. It was only his third game he's ever played in, for goodness sakes. There was a lot of youth, and with time and, and continuity and chemistry, 
will come that faith and that trust. Georgia is so deep. They are so good. And Oregon, you saw, they've got some fatal flaws. And it is, I think a lot of it has to do with that that faith, that trust, and then just having dude after dude after dude stacked up in a line and saying, then one goes out and the next one comes right back in. He's going to be just as good. To highlight that, that specifically, mm. even though this is Flo's third game, how many years has he been around the program? He's been around the program for, what, three yeah. now? So now Malachi Starks. True freshman, that is the corner for Georgia. You know who led Georgia in interceptions in that game? Yeah, Malachi Starks. You know who led them in solo tackles in that game? Uh, Malachi Starks. Malachi Starks. You know well, they in... were going after him. Yes. They you were, know, you know, know who, who led them in assisted tackles that game? Malachi Starks. Yeah. yeah. And that was Oregon. And that's why I thought the scheme wasn't bad. The execution offensively yeah. was was where that the bind was put in. We have this text uh, at 503-250-1080, and this is going to be the one that Oregon fans are, gonna, are, are going to uh, be wanting to hear is, you know, Ty Thompson. The Ducks need to start Ty Thompson. I'm sick of seeing these transfers, and the young guys can't grow. Also, why are they switching running backs every drive? Let a guy get into a rhythm. They you, had, you mentioned the running back rotation. You were very surprised by running backs, receivers rotating in every single play. I was stunned that we saw, not that we did, that we saw Marquis serving, but we saw him number one. Mm-hmm. Then we saw Noah Whittington number two. Mm-hmm. Then we saw Byron Cardwell, and then we saw Sean Dollars. We saw four different guys, and in, the expectation was Cardwell would be the first guy. Uh, yeah, because of how good he was last, mm-hmm. and he is a slithery and shifty back. And they may have just said, you know what, for the scheme and what we're trying to do against Georgia, we know that we're not going to be able to run the ball inside the tackles because of Jalen Carter. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not going to be our Byron Cardwell day, and we'll feature him somewhere else down the road when we can. Um, But they are going to throw the ball to their running backs a ton. Yes, We do know that about um, Kenny Dillingham's offense. Does that mean that you know Byron Cardwell or Sean Dollars just doesn't have those ball skills yet? I don't know. I was surprised we didn't see more features of Seven McGee. Mm-hmm. Um, we did not see anybody stand out in the receiving core, yeah. which is a, a massive looming question. I thought Coda had a, had the biggest opportunity, and I thought he did deliver a couple times. Yeah, he had a couple catches where I was like, okay, that's there's there's a little something there, and then obviously had Nick's not led him to his death in the middle of the field he probably has another big play there as well. But there is, back to the question about the tied, uh, the quarterback and having Ty Thompson in, uh, the second interception was really bad, but they're going to have the faith in him. And I will, I will just say this about the quarterback situation, right? We now have two different staffs that have not handed the reins over to Thompson in situations where it would be very easy to. Yes, and opportunities that, have presented themselves, and they have opted to not go that way. And I don't know why they haven't. And I don't know, you know, Ty, Ty Thompson may go on to have an incredible career. But two different staffs doing it, that that's a little, the bells are going off in my brain, right, as to why that is. And two happening. different staffs who have quarterbacks who have problems with consistency. Like, the, the door is very much and, open. And I will tell you this, especially in the era of college football that we're at now, where, I don't know, you see the athletic, or, no, it's Football Scoop, I think, or it may have been Football Scoop or The Athletic. They spoke to 131 quarterbacks mm-hmm. in FBS, and I think, like, 108 of them are either in their first two years or transferred. Mm-hmm. 44% of starting quarterbacks on week one were transfers. That is something that, 
if you have a guy and you think that this competition is even and you want to keep him around, you got you him in the go field. Over. Yeah. You go over and you hand the ball to him. Yeah. Every single one of these coaches, they want to win. There's not a reason. Like, they're not like, you know what? We know Ty Thompson's better. We are just going to, we're we, just going we to stick, with, him. stick yeah. with him. For two different staffs to do yeah. that, two completely different staffs who have had two completely different evaluation periods mm-hmm. of the same guy. And run different schemes. I think that that is, I think that's very, that, that tells me a lot. And it doesn't tell me all I need to know. I would love to see it too. But there's a reason why the favorite guy in town is always a backup quarterback, right? It's not an indictment, but you're definitely, uh, I think you're leading the jury. And the second interception was bad. There should have been probably two more interceptions. Mm -hmm. There were four really bad throws that that Bo Nix made. And if Dan Lanning went into the postgame press conference and immediately said Bo Nix is our quarterback, that again should be here's your sign. That's exactly what he said, man. And and this is it with when it comes to Knicks, those four throws were the two interceptions. The first one not as bad as the second one for sure, but the, when he led Chase Coda back into the middle of the field where there's a safety there, uh, that was that was one where you almost got a guy killed. He got smashed. And then you had one that was almost picked over the middle. Like there there were some big. There were some big throws that were just like head scratchers, right? He also managed that offense very well in spurts where you go, I can see why they have him in, but this is the Bonix experience that Auburn was talking about, right? I'll tell you the first six plays of the game. Take the the good with the bad, and some of the bad is really bad. Yeah, the first six plays of the game, I I said it as much on Twitter. I really like what Dillingham is doing right now. He has just got them schemed away. Everything was 2.8 seconds or less. That ball was out quick. It was on the numbers, on the edge, trying to get plays, moving the chains. I mean, they were effective. It was just the the nails in the coffin. Like It wasn't like tapped into the coffin. They were just drilled in every single time. It was like, dude, you can't do that. Well, and, I mean, we're rehashing a lot uh, of what we said yesterday, but I think one of the great things that you did say yesterday, though, is that if you want a silver lining, the offensive line played okay. It, legitimately, it did. And I, I know I get <laughs> smacked around for, for being the anti-duck guy. I, I went into that game fully just like, show me what you got, Oregon. Yeah. That was how I came into that game. And by the third quarter, the only positive thing I could say was the offensive line showed up. Because you didn't have Jalen Carter in your backfield every single snap. You didn't have Nolan Smith coming off the edge, tearing Bo Nix's head off because that was what I was worried about. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be, this is going to be really interesting to see the development of this team and how they get up off the mat against Eastern mm-hmm. Washington, where they need to have a, a, get one right of those game. lights out performances yeah, where they clean up all of it. Yep. Because if there's one thing Eastern Washington can do, they can whip the ball around the field. Mm-hmm. They can move the ball around the field. They do it against every Pac-12 team that they play. Yep. And I guarantee you, they are sitting there watching the crossers with their offense and the way they move guys around. They're going to want to. They're going to open up with the, the bat fell down everywhere. Yep. You need to stop that from play one immediately. You better get a pass rush. Yep. That is a bigger question than I thought it would be. Yeah. 503 250 1080. Here's Rust with Sports Center. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh. 
Miami. Uh, uh, South Beach, bringing the heat. Uh. This is NFL Kickoff Week with Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by Encore Audio Video. On 1080 The Fan. Here I am in the place where I come let go. In Miami, the base and the sunset low. Every day like a Mardi Gras. Everybody party all day. No work, all play. Okay. So all right, NFL kickoff league. I'm excited, man. The NFL is so great to have back. Genuinely excited. Uh, there's real storylines that I actually care about. This is about, this is about me. It is about you. It's and about it's your radio show. It is Danny and Dusty. It's true. What storyline are you most excited about? Can I guess? Devontae Adams? Uh, it's, it's up there for sure. Yeah. I was reading about how him and Derek Carr almost died together on a whitewater rafting trip uh, right as they left Fresno State. Say what? Yeah, no, it was pretty nuts. But uh, that kind of like, the the gist of it was that kind of cemented their friendship into being more than just like college teammates and good friends. Like a near-death experience, kind of like a traumatic event bonded them. <laughs> I would say almost dying in a yeah. rafting trip would do that. Did they say where it was? Uh, Sierra Nevada somewhere. Okay. So uh, but I, I think they still... It wasn't like the Fresno sewer system? Or no, anything? no, no. That That's like mutant stuff, <laughs> uh, which is actually happening in the San Francisco Bay right now. Uh, gross. But uh, they did say they got hit some class fours, which... Have you ever been in rafting? I have been. Those are fun. Those are fun. Uh, four is the most I've ever done. We did it on the Snake River, God, 15, 16 years ago. I don't know. Moppin is where... I don't know whatever's on mm. Moppin. I don't know what's on there. They, the only reason I know because they, they gave us like the helmets and like the yeah. These, the, did the you buckle go, up, buddy. Yeah. Did you get the uh, like the five man rafts or like the sixteen man rafts? Uh, we were on a smaller one. Okay, so I, the first time I ever went down because we went down two days in a row. The first time we went down was like a professional, yeah, like guide with like a with the guy and the but, thing. But you had like deal. sixteen like on each boat. Like, they're big, big boats. And so I, because they're so big, it's a little bit harder to get yeah. kind of bucked off. But then we went down the next day on the smaller ones, and everyone got yard sales. You go. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, that is great. Um, so one of the storylines I'm following right now is oh, right, the right. demise of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I thought you were going to say that. Because yours is Patriots. fun. Yours is fun. Uh, mine, the one that I'm following. Mm. Boy, the NFC East, we can call it the NFC Least. Again. Again. Yeah. Even though Eagles should AFC, be okay. the AFC South is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I think the NFC South is going to be interesting. I like how you say interesting instead of dog-ass. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, but the <laughs> NFC East with the uh, Dallas Cowboys, everybody getting injured. Their entire their offensive, offensive line. line is gone. And Dak Prescott, like, Running hey, for his life now that he's healthy. One of the things that Dallas has always had is like that debate over Dak Prescott is a very good quarterback, and I, I you're like higher Prescott. on Dak than I am, but I think I, he's a good, not great quarterback. I like Dak Prescott a lot, but Dak Prescott has also had one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. He has had a the highest paid running back in the <clears> NFL, but but he got that because he was pretty damn good behind that offensive line. Yes, and then he got paid. And his receiving core has been really, really damn good. good. It definitely upper third, for sure. Well, you have Zeke, who's got to prove something, with an offensive line that is battered and beleaguered, and you do not have six deep anymore. Shout out of, Tony Pollard. Of uh, potential first 
or starting guys because that and that is honestly what they had. They had six starting yes. caliber offensive linemen on that roster. And not just starting point. caliber; they had all pro caliber guys. And then they had a receiving core that was really good. Yes, and on now, multiple levels. You have C.D. Lamb, who is dinged up. Uh, Always will be fine. But then Michael Gallup is coming off of an injury, and he doesn't look like he's going to be ready till at least week two or three. That whole situation in Dallas is going to be fascinating to me because it looked like that in that defense is still going to be damn good. But the offense is Jerry Jones. Can he build a team because he was close and he, they have money committed everywhere. That's the everywhere. problem. And this is the thing is that you can get this close and then have to can you down. get it yeah. over the hump? And that to me is like, this is going to be a massive year for the Dallas Cowboys in that regard. And also Mike McCarthy. Does anybody have faith in Mike McCarthy that he's going to be able to win the games that matter on your schedule? That, the answer is no. No, no, they're not, right? And so Dallas is so intriguing to me because they're doing everything they can to, to Band-Aid this thing together, including signing a 40-year-old left tackle to your practice squad so they can get him up to speed because Tyron Smith's going to be out. Uh, with his injury for so long. And not only are you just signing a 40-year-old tackle, you're signing a 40-year-old tackle in Jason Peters. Who hates your franchise. And has said he hates your franchise. <laughs> it's just the arrogant the organization, uh, everybody, America's team. Uh, right now, they, I mean, they're not winning right now. So, I mean, let's see how many people jump off their bandwagon and stay with them. So, we, we'll see Sunday and try to, try to get that W over. That is Jason Peters. They're now starting left tackle from a couple of years ago, and I know that other people would be like, oh, what are you going to say? You don't have to go yeah. that far. You, you don't have to call the another franchise arrogant or America's team and how fake it is or how much you don't like it. But, again, I do appreciate, number one, Jason Peters being an eagle guy through and through. But this is why you don't you never say nothing. <laughs> Always never say nothing. Um, but it, it is funny, but also – the desperation for the Cowboys here is real. Like there was yeah. obviously we had to talk about um, the uh, Andrew Whitworth on uh, Thursday night yeah. football, where there are some, some calls for him to, to come back. I mean, they're, they're, they're kicking the tires on multiple 40 year old linemen. So the desperation is real. Mostly because Wayne Brown got signed a week before. And I, because of Makai <laughs> Becton. See, and that's why I still think the Jimmy G thing is going to be fascinating to see. Oh, cause the quarterback's going to go down very quickly. And then teams would be like, I want that. And you're going to have to pay more than a third-round pick to get him because they get the third-round compensatory pick for him no matter what. The Jimmy G restructure was so good for not just the him but the 49ers as well. Like yeah, he, Getting a second-round pick for him is going to be good. And he can be traded to a contender. Like He, he, um, he will be able to and, do it if he wants yeah, to go. It's because it's a $6 million deal as opposed to, what was it, 26? Love it. Yeah, that's good. All right. But we do have early storylines because we have a Super Bowl kickoff, a Super Bowl winning team getting into the kickoff right away. I love that. The NFL doing Thursday. that, taking the NFL winner and yeah. stuffing them into the Thursday night game, I do love that. That is very good. Here's your marquee. Go. Well, and I love that they'll do it now you get a matchup that people wanted to see oh, as yes. a Super Bowl last year. You get the Rams and the Bills. Mm-hmm. And it's, okay, hey, if you guys thought that this would be a great game for to end the season on, guess what? We'll start we'll playing game number one. That It's, it's brilliant. With there's the there's no running from the grind right out of the gate. I love it. Yeah. 503-250-1080 is the fan tech sign. Uh, we wrap it up on a Tuesday. Uh, Isaac Ropp is in a cube of solitude as we speak. Danny and Dusty on the
This is NFL Kickoff Week with Danny and Dusty. Brought to you by Encore Audio Video. On 1080 The Fan. All right, I have an exclusive up at Dusty underscore Hera. The cubes of solitude have been used for the first time by Patrick Harris and Michael Lynch. Uh, I, I can report that they were both sweating when they got out. Uh, my sources are telling me the me- meeting ended due to a fart. Uh, I cannot confirm that, though. So that's just re- that's just, I just haven't been able to confirm it. The fans, you're not, un- you're not clear of how well they work here. Uh, no. But as far as anybody working here is concerned, those cubes of solitude in our new offices here, they are soundproof. Nobody can hear a word coming in or out, as far as you know. Okay? I just, I'm just waiting for the time when somebody starts calling it the gas chamber just because somebody's going to go in there and keep farting and closing the door. Now, that is a, it's a great, great idea. It is. It is a great idea. In case you want to go in there and just let, sneakily let one low. And maybe not no. even sneakily. Just let it go. No, yeah, just fart. Let it just sink right into the fabric. Yeah, just go do it. I like it. Uh, 503-250-1080 is a fan text line. Uh, we were talking about the Cowboys last segment. Lincoln Riley to the Cowboys 2023. Mm. Huh? No comment on that, huh? Yeah. No? No. Um, it, boy, it, why, his name is always... Always tied to just going to the NFL, and it does. I thought that going to SC would would really tamp that down. Why is his name always just continually brought up? I mean, he's a damn good coach, but uh, at the same time, he, he, it's it's just like the Damian Lillard leaving Portland. How many times does the guy need to tell you that he doesn't? He wants to coach college football. I mean, doesn't he just feel like a college football coach? No, I, no, he doesn't. You don't think so? Not at all. Oh, no, no, he doesn't. He seems like an NFL coach. He seems way more like an just NFL. Just because coach. he's buttoned up? Uh, no, he's just personality. He doesn't seem like he is. He's not a hard ass curmudgeon like a Nick Saban is. He's not a rah rah guy. He seems like he's very professional and because he's he buttoned does. up. Okay, he, he's just a professional guy. I don't. I just feel like he has like a way of just communicating with younger players. Yeah, I mean, he, he seems more like Sean McVay and uh, Kyle Shanahan yeah, than he does I guess any that, other coach in college football. Than he does like a Marcus Freeman. Yeah, Marcus yeah. Freeman's got that about him too, that yeah. business-type attitude. But I also think him. that fits at another name. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think you kind of have to be that guy. Yeah. Boy, that'd break your little SC heart, wouldn't Listen, it? Listen, man, they paid him a lot of money. Wait, you don't think the NFL would? I mean, would it? Do you think the NFL would pay him more than SC did? Yeah. You think so? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. It's a multi-billion-dollar league that they don't. You don't. The salary cap does not matter. No, I, I know that. NFL. But what's who, who's the high or what's the highest paid well, coach? At that is. I know an it's up for interesting debate. one because they don't have to disclose it's not it. Disclosed. Uh, but it, uh, like I think it is Belichick. The one that we do know is it was Gruden because he was the getting, 10-year, we knew it was a 10-year, $100 million deal. But I mean, there's been rumors about you know Belichick getting upwards of 11 and $12 million. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, again, I, I don't know if the NFL would pay him more because it, it, it depends on what came with that. Because yeah. USC is not just paying him. What do they do? Oh wow, Sean McVay makes fifteen to eighteen million. Bill oh, Belichick, 
12 and a half, Pete Carroll 11, Kyle Shanahan 9.5, John Harbaugh 9, Frank Reich 9, Matt Rule 8.5. Some of those numbers seem a little off. Matt Rule makes eight and a half million, and yeah. he did not. He, he went from Baylor to Carolina. Yeah, why do those numbers seem off? As far as like the the disparity between them, like why is Matt Rule making just infinitely less, if, or infinitesimally less than Pete Carroll? Somebody willing to get that money? Yeah, well, why is I, he getting less than Pete Carroll? Because he hasn't won a Super well, Bowl. No, no. Why is he only getting a little bit less than Pete? Oh, Carroll? that's what I'm saying. Like, why is Pete not making significantly more? Yeah. Because he's 70, they're like, yeah, $11 million is a lot of money. 70-year-old man. It's a lot of money for you, old man. Take it. Come on, go. All right. We will hand it off now to... Oh, wow. Is the show over? Yep. Prime time. It's weird. When we have no clocks in here, I have a loose track of time. Yeah, I was looking down at it right now, and I heard that little music by Jeff Rust, and that's our cue. Got me off guard, because we can't see Jeff, and there's no clocks. It's really very hard to... It's just a white room. It's a white room. All right. Prime time with Isaac and Sue coming to you live from the new Odyssey Studios Have a great Tuesday. We'll see you Wednesday right here on The Fan. Bye. It's an orgy in the end zone. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.